Blog Talk Radio. again. It is Friday one more time, and we are coming back to do episode two of Days of the USS Minutes. I have with me my co-host, Adrian. How are you doing today? Good to have you back. We're also going to have Doc Z back. Um, So before we do that, let's just briefly talk about what we're going to do today, and what we're doing is we're talking about what it was like to not only for Dan to be in the Navy uh, as an individual, but when a spouse signs up for the Navy, so does the family. So this is kind of what I wanted to talk about and what the experience was like, not only for him while he was deployed, but for you as well on the home front. So let me go ahead and I'll bring him in. See you there. How are you doing today, sir? Good. So I was just uh, recapping with our guests um, that we went over last week about your uh, experiences uh, by yourself on the the Nimitz and that we were going to talk today uh, that, you know, when a single guy goes in, it's just his experience. But when a family, when a father goes in and signs up, the family serves as well. So we were going to talk about that a little bit. Um, Okay. I'm not sure where it's coming from either. Let me... Well, we'll just forge on. I don't know what I can do about it. Yeah. There's a movie out there called um, Final Countdown, not to be confused with the songs that Europe did, Um, but it was actually a what if movie so basically what happens is the uss nimitz uh goes through a time rip and actually goes back to a day before um pearl harbor and so that song was um the theme song to that movie and the nimitz actually adopted it as her theme song and doc can you talk a little bit about that Actually, sounds like it's coming from your end there, Doc. I've been tracing down my audio, and I think it might be coming from your side. But we'll just have to deal with it. It's not mission critical, but 
Yeah. Right. Which I don't know where that's coming from. So. Um. So we were talking about uh, unreps. Uh, the British actually call them uh, res, replenishment at sea. Um, is that where you would play the theme song as well? Okay, so it was like, so pretty much every ship had a theme song. All right, so let's kind of let's kind of go back a little bit um, in time to do a little bit of recap. So you graduated boot camp and then went into what they called A school, correct? And it looks like this was from January 28th of 86. You know, they could have. So, Adrian, I have a question for you. And um, so at that time, you had graduated from U of I Moscow as a teacher, correct? So... And other people might know that on the Challenger was uh, Krista McAuliffe, and she was actually a educator herself. They were actually she was actually going to be doing lessons from space. Um, what what were kind of your feelings uh, towards that when you knew that they had had that accident? Doc, um, so after after A school and after graduation, then you got your orders to go to Bremerton. Um, and then once you were there, you were at the hospital for two years. Well, let's talk about this picture here for, for a second. So who are those guys and uh, why am I hanging out with them? That's like high school in a sense where you get that graduation and you have no idea where anybody's going. I mean, one guy could be going up to ADAC, one guy could be going to Rota, another guy could be going out to Subic Bay in the Philippines. Um, so then everybody got their orders and went off their separate way and then we as a family um, got stationed up in Bremerton. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the drive out there? Did we drive out there? Did we fly out there? How did, how did we get out to the post? So what, what were your impressions, uh, when you got on, on post first there, Dan? 
Right. Just typical military housing, build them. Well, I mean, like you said, this was uh, World War II housing. I actually did some research on it. Um, it was built for the shipwrights during World War II, and it was only meant to be lived in till the end of the war and then torn down. So after after this housing, uh, where did we go then? And how did the military do that? Was it just based on seniority and like who they needed at the time? So they had they had uh, BOQ and BEQ for just the single guys. Talk about that for a little bit. So, Dan, you were saying in the last show that when you were first aboard. Um, you didn't go out to sea right away because that was at the time where they were um, bringing her back in to see if they needed to do a refuel on the rocks. So you were in and out for a time. What was it like when you finally got your orders to go out on the deployment? Losing your paperwork. Um, I've actually had heard of a couple of friends that were in that had their paperwork lost. And, uh, yeah, they wanted you to go somewhere, and they, they sent you to where they needed you. Right. So what was it like... Um, so when you guys got married, you guys were in, in college together. You, you lived at the U of I together, and you lived together when you were in the Forest Service. So this was really the first time I'm thinking that you guys were apart for any, any specific period of time. What was that like? I'll mute him and see if it's yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm Right.
All right, go ahead, Doc. What what were your feelings as to being separated for that first time? Well, and I think I remember you saying from the show last time that um, – when you guys first set off on your way for at least the first month, you really don't have time to think about home because you're getting into the um, you're getting into the role of what you're doing on ship. You've got so much to do. Mm-hmm. So, Adrian, you were talking about um, family support for uh, the ones uh, deployed, and basically those groups were called um, – the military is full of acronyms. So it's, it's an acronym, uh, FRG, which stands for Family Readiness Group. Um, and each branch seems to have one that's a little bit different. Um, and so the one in the Navy is called the um, Navy Fleet and Family Support Program. And basically what they do is they take care of, um, if there's problems at home, they try to help solve that, that issue that's going on. They have people that uh, on the home front can help with issues. Um, and there's, uh, I found a couple of different um, places that, if anybody's listening that is active duty or or needs someone to listen to, um, there is a nationwide one to get a hold of, and that is um, www.militaryonesource.mil. And that's kind of a blanket cover for everybody, for all the branches. And the other one is for um, service people that are in Minnesota. And it's the Minnesota Military Family Foundation, and they have a phone number of 763-544-2255. And I just wanted to let people know that you're not in this by yourself. You're not in this alone. You have other people. You're in the military. You're in a huge family. There's people out there that will help. And basically what the FRG is is it's a group of individuals that are usually um, women that are still home, usually it is comprised of um, women of those, of the husbands that are deployed. Usually it, it's led by the base commander or the division commander's wife. And basically they're there to help out, um, you know, if you need help getting groceries or you're new to post and you don't know where to go to like the store, on-base PX, or get certain things that they can help with that. Or in the case of, um, in the movie, We Were Soldiers, um, 
basically what happened is one of the wives was home one day and the taxi driver dropped off a telegram. And it was commonplace at that time for the taxi drivers to deliver those notes of we regret to inform you situations. So at that time on post, the FRG took over delivering those notes. Um, and I just, I want people, like I said, I want people to know that they're not in this by themselves. They're in this with family members. And if you're in a situation and you need help, please reach out. Um, doesn't matter, you know, you could be home or it could be the sailor or the deployed person. Reach out to your commander. Reach out to your direct supervisor. Go to the chaplain if you have to to help out. And the military is there to help. Um, so with saying that, um, I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way. But um, let's go ahead and jump back in. So uh, Dan went... Dan got deployed. So that leaves you and me home, correct, Adrian? Right. Um, so one thing I can remember, and I don't know, I don't remember when in the deployment, but I do remember, I think it might have been around Christmas, because um, I remember opening up a Christmas present and this was in it. But what it was is it was, if people remember um, tape decks and tape cassettes, it, it was a uh, tape cassette, didn't have any band on it, but when we played it, put it in and played it, it was dad singing and the song that I remember was uh, somewhere out there and that was from Bible Goes West. Um, Doc C, can you kind of talk to that and how did how did that come about? Were you just, would you normally send tapings home or was that something you were trying that was different? And that's one of those things, like, <clears throat> my wife and I have been married for 10 years now, and that was one thing that really stick, stuck to me at our wedding, is they actually, when my mom and I danced at the wedding, they played that song. And, you know, every every time I hear that song, I think of being out west. Um, just like another one that I remember <clears throat> is after you were, uh, came out of the Navy, uh, we still lived in, in Silverdale, and you had that uh, tape of the Wyndham Hill guitar sampler, and every time I hear that, I it, it brings me back. So what was it like um, at that time? I was probably, what, three, three and a half? so I was in kindergarten so there probably wasn't a lot of 
um, oh, see, you know, dual parenting doing with like schoolwork and all that. So how how was that all done? I mean, obviously, mom was the only one at home, but would you? I'm sure you would share with him how I was doing from week to week and all that. And I'm I'm sure that there were other guys on the ship that had young families at the time. How how was that all gone about? I mean, when you guys had mail calls, did you guys get together and share, you know, messages and pictures? And this was in, uh, let me recap, this was in 1988, so the only inkling of the internet was military, but you guys didn't get to use it. it. The internet was only used for military purposes and it was top secret. So at that time, you know, it was all snail mail. So I'm sure, you know, it would it would take a while. So I'm probably I'm probably sure that by the time you got a letter or they received a letter home, it had been probably, you know, four or five days. And another thing I can remember too, so this is, these pictures here are from 88 as well. And these look like, so you were either leaving out on deployment or coming back from deployment. You guys would stop in uh, Pearl Harbor, I assume. So what was it like? I, I'm sure you were probably a buff of, of, of history when you were in school. What was your personal experience like pulling into Pearl Harbor knowing what happened on that December morning in 1941? What was it like pulling into Pearl? Uh, did you guys come like right past uh, the Arizona at all? When you when you guys pull into port, was there an import uniform or would you just switch into civilian clothing? How would that work? So, Adrian, what was it like um, 
getting getting a trip to Hawaii. Um, I'm kind of jealous because that's one place that I want to go. Um, what was it like? Like, how did you guys plan it? How did you get out there? How did how did you meet them? And then, so the week's over, so then you fly back home, dead, you get back on the Nimitz, you guys shift colors and come back out of Pearl, and I suppose go on the rest of the deployment. Um, So I'm looking right about now, I'm going to do a little time check, and I think we're getting there, but um, I want to do a segue. Yeah, so we've got about 17 minutes left. So let's kind of segue into this, and, and it is so... You leave out of port, Nimitz ships colors, you go on your um on your deployment. How was the rest of the deployment and how did the deployment for you end? I, I kinda wanted to touch base in this situation because I know that um mom ended up kinda getting having some medical issues and you did uh separate from the Navy early on a hardship. So can we can we just talk uh, touch base on that a little bit? Right. Well, and it's, you know, from from Coeur d'Alene out to Seattle, what, about an eight-and-a-half, nine-hour drive? Right, yeah. Kind of a pariah at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time, you know, it nothing nothing is more worth than your health and 
Um, I think I think you guys were wise in making the decision of doing that because you know this is really really nobody else to help. And um, so Dan, um, at that point when you guys made the decision to have you come home, you were at the end. You were coming up on the end of your four year stint um, in the Navy anyway. So just we've we've got probably about ten minutes. So go ahead and tell us what it was like coming home. What was your journey like? How did you get off the ship? How did you come home? So you got to fly off of one of the shortest runways in the world. Tell me what that was like. Okay. Mm. Right. Oh, you're talking about the uh the C five galaxy, right? But when you took that cast shot on in that S3 Viking, what what I mean that's zero to a hundred and what couple seconds? We all know that those flyboys have an attitude anyway. So when you came back home to Bremerton, I can remember, um, I remember the day you came home because I was in preschool at, I think it was a Halloween party. Uh, I know we have the picture. I know we couldn't find it tonight, but I think I was dressed up as a mouse. And mom and dad actually surprised me by bringing him into the party that day. And I I remember I was really happy to have him home. Um, so how long after you got out, how long did we stay in, um, well, we were in Bremerton, so then you got out, then we had to find a place, and we moved here in 1990. So how long from the time you got out to the time we moved? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. And then I suppose there's 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 probably a transition time. We'll call it that. Transition time from coming off the ship to you know, like you said, your orders don't get cut right away. So you come off the ship, they find you uh, TDY at the clinic, and then I'm sure once you get your papers, you, they don't just cut you out of the military right away. They actually put you into the um, reserve for a while, and then I think you end up going into the inactive reserve. Is that how it, how it worked? And that had to be kind of a hard, kind of hard time because at that time you're a short timer, uh, and I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are still in that are re-up don't, you know, really look look at short timers as as a good thing. But I'm sure you probably couldn't wait to get out and spend time with your family. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we're coming down to the end of it, and I think um, well, thank you for thank you for coming on for these two nights. Uh, I think what we should do at some point um, is I would like to have you back on again to talk about your time in the U.S. Forest Service as a uh, ranger and also a uh, hell attack firefighter. I think that would be good. We can get you on the schedule for some time. But I just wanted to thank you for coming on these last two nights, and I wanted to thank you for your service. And um, before we let you go, I just wanted to say uh, bravo Zulu. Well, thank you for gracing our show, and uh, have a good night, Doc. All right, so that kind of brings us to um, the segue of the show where we can talk a little bit about what we're going to do next week. Or actually, we have a bonus show this week, um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And I can remember growing up, living here in the house, uh, Mom and Dad and I used to listen to Art Bell. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Art Bell talked about uh, paranormal, uh, UFOs, Bigfoots, whatever. Um, and he was on in the 90s and, and 2000s and always had Coast to Coast with Art Bell. So I started listening to him. And then after he passed away, um, ended up listening to the show and I actually, on Wednesday, we get to talk to one of my role models, uh, Darkness Dave Schrader. Um, he agreed to come on the show Wednesday at 7 o'clock, and we are going to talk to him about uh, how he got into paranormal and kind of what he does for investigations. We don't want to load him up too much with questions. We do have him here for an hour, but I, I'm kind of, you know, get to – get to school girl a little bit and talk to Dave Schrader. I'm sure you might have a question or two for him too, Adrian.
Right. Well, I'm... right. Yes, he is. And I just wanted to tell my listeners, yes, um, we do talk about the paranormal from time to time. We won't be talking about the paranormal every single show time. But we do have, I think our next two shows, yeah, so Wednesday and next Friday are going to be on the paranormal subject. So look forward to Wednesday at 7 p.m. CST to have Darkness Day of Schrader. And then next Friday at 7 p.m. CST, um, we are going to have Michelle Lancel, which is a good friend of mine. We graduated high school together. And the title of that show is going to be Demons in My Apartment. And it's going to be her um, experience on ridding an apartment that she lived in uh, that may have had a couple of dark things in there. So... Like I said, we won't always talk about the dark things, but uh, we try to keep this channel live. Um, so we're coming up. Uh, any final things you wanted to say tonight, Adrian? Yep, I think so, too. So tune in again on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. CFT, to listen to us talk to Darkness Drave Schrader. Thank you for tuning in tonight, and I want you guys to have a wonderful and blessed weekend. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>